This episode of the ECWM podcast has been brought to you by Benelli, Dominate the Skies. Kent Cartridge Canada, high quality, high performance shotgun shells for waterfowl, turkey, upland, sporting clays, and more. Sitka, turning clothing into gear. Maritime dog training, because I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. (laughs) (laughs) Offering obedience training of all levels, service dog and retriever training in person or online. L&M Trailers, offering trailer rentals and sales in Woodstock, New Brunswick. Big Al Decoys, high quality silhouettes and accessories for waterfowl, turkey, and sandhill cranes. East Coast Calls, offering high-quality duck, goose, and turkey calls, built right here in the Maritimes. Welcome to the ECWM Podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Welcome. Good to be here. Wesley here. Matthew Wilson. David Noble. Robert Little. Andrew Davenport. And Rowan Wilson. And Rowan is watching. He's just going to stare. Who's abstained (laughs) from speaking at this point. Just going to sit there and stare at us all. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, gentlemen. Yes. Good to be here. Good to pop your cherry. Yes. Podcast cherry voice. Yeah, for all three of you guys. (laughs) Uh, It's nice to be here. (laughs) (laughs) You'll, You'll like it. You'll like it. So we, yeah, I guess we kind of got a special guest. We got Robert Little here, big uh, bird dog guy. And we got Dave and Andrew. That's their first podcast. I've been hunting a lot of upland with them this year, and they also have, yep, upland dogs, uplandish, and retrievers, and yeah, retrievers. And yeah, we had a good day out hunting today. Hell of a day. It was awesome. Really couldn't ask for much better. Really, we moved a lot of birds and had a heck of a time. Yeah. Seen some points. Yeah. Nice nice for me to, I mean, like, we all hunted together, and we, you know, there was a lot of us the last time we had that upland weekend that I was out with you guys. There's a lot of people in the woods, but it was kind of cool today to just see the one dog go and and do its thing and find birds, and the fact that they stuck around and stayed where they were supposed to was wicked. <clears throat> well, they, they they can range out a little bit, as you saw at the end there, but uh, you have to have a dog out and find your birds for you. Definitely. Yeah. No sense having a dog that's going to be at your feet. You're just going to kick those birds up anyway. So. That's right. I definitely appreciate that with what you have there in the GPS collars. And, I mean, those dogs know that that's what they're supposed to do. Like, that's a huge difference between mine and yours is mine are looking for dead birds and yours are trying to find find you birds looking for live birds to kill mm. you know hopefully dead birds right you know. and it's an incredible like like you say you're looking for dead birds and these other bird dogs are looking for live birds and the moment you find them flush them shoot whatever they're right back on looking for that, that bird again you know like yeah. It's, yeah there's no hold my beer i'll go get you another one <laughs> yeah. yeah they just live for it the second dog we took out was like yeah, Remy. That was Remy. Yeah. Remy. Yeah. yeah. She's, like, she's actually uh, a yeah. na- national champion that uh, she won a major championship in North Carolina back in 2020. So she's one of my special dogs. Yeah. We were standing by the truck, just going to shoot the shit. And 
talk about whether we're going to go hunt that other cover on the other side of the road and she takes off and goes and puts up two birds in there frig and they held tight yeah they did. birds are holding real good today yeah she wasn't she wasn't ready to switch her off no she wasn't dicking around there's more woods over here i'm gonna go hunt it yeah while you guys are standing by the trucks i'll go over here and check this out and go on point twice <laughs> yeah deadly no frig it started off really good that first cover must have put five or six birds out of that yeah we figured six there i guess yeah. is what we were thinking yeah how many birds did we move on the day we figured 10, ten. yeah we moved 10 today yeah. and i mean not an afternoon <laughs> yeah. yeah how many was it how much actual hunting time <laughs> oh geez it wasn't much because we only a couple hours maybe two yeah. hours yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it was a lot more driving back to you know from one spot to the other really than anything because yeah. we were just mainly doing line fences so Kind of a new type of hunting for me. Like um, I'm used to uh, cover hunting and woodcock mm -hmm. covers, where this is basically hedgerows running through and across uh, uh, two potato fields. And yeah. uh, it's kind of nice to kind of remind me of, of days out in Kansas when we used to chase pheasant out there. But yeah. it's the same sort of country. And and uh, you guys have, have some uh, special cover up here for that. It's just neat to be able to hunt grouse and actually get shots. Yep. Not be tangled up in bushes and sticks and leaves, and <laughs> which is what 90% of October is. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the big advantage to the line fencers, really, because you're, you know, you get a lot of shots in the woods, but actual percent hit percentages are, are not very good. Well, for me, they're not very good anyway, but especially... Well, you did pretty good today. Yeah, well, especially, you know, in the in the, in the the open, you actually can take your time a little more, and, mm -hmm. well, okay, there it is. I know when it's going to disappear in the woods. You're shoulder to gun. You got quarter second, and you got squeezer, right? So yeah. it makes things kind of hard, you know, but yeah, well, you fun either be, way, but... You got to be on it fast. Yeah, that's right, yeah. and that comes with time, I guess, you know, but... It was fun. You got, Have you guys ever hunted over a pointer before? Well, I mean, our own, you know, training, but this is the no, first like time. No, like an English pointer. No, 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 oh, this first time. Me. There's only one pointer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they haven't been educated yet. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, like for even just in general, over, a, I would say, um, an older experience. Dog, yeah, yeah, it's first time, really. You know, I mean, like like Andrew has Maya, which is pretty, does pretty good. She's yep. three now, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, she does pretty good, but I mean, like as far as... Uh, you know, uh, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old dog. I mean, you know, it's it's quite special, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. A lot it of miles on dogs like that. They know the game well. Yeah. yeah, they know what they're there to do. When you kick them out of the truck, they're well. It's just little things. They know how to work the wind. Watching her running some of those hedgerows. I mean, she knew to stay on the downwind side all the time. Like just, yeah. just little things like that. Boog, he's only seven months, and I mean, he's just bouncing all over the place. Just yeah. things they learn, but well, it was fun today, guys. Thank you for inviting me. You'll have to come up making an annual trip. We could do that when mm -hmm. things shut down yeah. your way. You can we come up that. and for sure. basically any time in December is when we yep. start doing this type yep. of hunting. Yep. So yeah, super super glad you came up. It was a it was a really cool experience for me for sure. Um, maybe yeah. you can tell us a little bit about your story, Robert. Like how you? Well, I uh, mean, what your 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 sort of your hunting life and then how you got in the how far do you want me to go back <laughs> uh, you don't have to. <laughs> i start i got the bug really at a young age uh, my great uncle uh had setters and uh him and my father would hunt woodcock <laughs> and grouse in the in the fall they always take a week or two off and, and go to our camp and hunt and when i got a little bit older i went along with them and you kind of remember the 
the fun it was to go with those guys and see those dogs. And uh, once you see a dog go flying through the woods and and, and freeze on point, basically in midair, and and uh, give you the opportunity to shoot birds, it it stick kind of sticks with you. And uh, when I got older. Uh, my first dog was actually a Springer Spaniel. I bought that. We bought our first house in 1980 in St. John and, uh, you know, killed a lot of birds with that dog. But the uh, memory of that pointing, those setters pointing, pointing birds always stuck with me. So uh, I went from there shortly afterwards. I got had, uh, short hairs and I had some setters along the way as well. And then uh, um, 17 years ago, when I turned 50, I said to my wife, I want to, I want to, get into field trials. I was always kind of on the periphery of field trials. I never really did them, but I've, I've attended them. Mm. So I said, I, I want to get myself a, a, a pointer, an English pointer, and uh, get into field trials. And uh, I got myself a nice dog from uh, from a guy by the name of Christopher Clark down in Nova Scotia. And uh, went to my first, first field trial and uh, kind of got hooked on that as well. And I've, I've guided hunters all my life, really, all my adult life. And... Uh, just that upland hunting and, and bird dogs in general kind of gets in your blood and uh, definitely it's uh, just one of those things that uh, that uh, you like and you know, um, keep doing every fall and uh, I've done some professional dog training for uh, for clients over the last ten years ten years I believe yeah and uh, you know just something that you, you you like doing yeah yeah most definitely now you said when you lived in St John you had a springer like i know a few guys in the retriever game now that had springers probably around that same time and i know that there's still a decent following for springers but back in the 80s was there a lot of springers around <clears throat> not a lot in new brunswick that i that i know of but nova scotia it's a popular yeah because they they you know that's a popular breed for pheasants and right uh, they 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 had quite a uh, re, um, springer spaniel group down there and there's nothing wrong with that type of hunting. Uh, I, I just found that at the end of the day, I was getting tendonitis in my in my arm from being ready to shoot all the time. And uh, of course, with a pointing dog, it's a little bit more relaxed walking in on a control on, on a point rather than not being ready for a flushing dog to, to flush a bird. So uh, it's just something that uh, uh, you know it's a matter of choice, I guess. And, and uh, uh, again, a good flushing dog will 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 find you many birds, but um, it's just whether you like that. That, that point or not you cut your teeth on That's pointers right. basically yeah, yeah. And, and it would have always stuck with you i mean yeah, absolutely and, and geez i mean he's been around labs and retrievers his whole life but i mean i'm for me that was a huge deal today but i mean for him all he's <laughs> like that'll you know that'll probably be something that he'll you be probably, telling the same sort of story we went hunting with this guy one yeah, time and got, he had a pointer he got pretty excited uh, oh man oh man yeah. i was pumped i was on the road screaming yeah, standing well, watching he was standing there holding his bird and i was taking a picture and the bird was like shaking he's like man i'm pumped he's like, yeah, I'm yeah. yeah and you know i mean we're talking about matt's son rowan who yeah rowan how old is he now 15 15 15 and i mean to see a young man standing there like that that just shot a bird and hunting. over a dog that was Oh, a, a, a bird that was pointed over like a seasoned dog and then get the flush and the shot and right. he's just standing there like <laughs> yeah just like yeah. he shot a giant buck right like that's right. the stuff that you remember that's what you look oh, for, for sure. that's getting like the fire for future for him i think yeah you know, big, really. big time i mean he you know we were talking about it at the truck um and i said you know when you're young like that like i remember being his age and like you don't have a driver's license and mm. you don't you don't have a bunch of decoys and you can't 
you're not really legal to hunt much else besides birds. And at that point in your life, you're you're after grouse hard, yeah. you know, because sure. you because you can go after them. And I mean, yeah. that's a big part of your life at that stage. Because I remember being like that. But you know, for him, he's that much more. And experiences like today, I mean, jeepers, yeah. you know that. I that, see a bird dog in your future. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that, that, you know. You I, got what four now? Yeah, I got four. Now. What, what's another one? Well, two two of them are unfortunately are ten years old, so they're getting they're getting older. And every winter that goes yeah. by that they make it is is a good winter. I mean, yeah. they're they're great dogs, but they are old. They got a lot of miles on, so and they're not like. As you know, I mean, they're not uh, like your average couch potato. You know, they got a lot of bumps and bruises. They're athletes, you know. They got mm-hmm. a lot of bumps and bruises, and they things don't work like they used to. A lot of arthritis. So, um, but yeah, de- yeah, definitely. I could, I could certainly see him having a dog like that. I could even see myself having a dog like mm. that in the future. You know. Well, the three of us will be training a lot. Yeah. Hard, so waterfowl in the morning, and you can come upland. Yeah, that's what's fun, right? Like he. I mean, yep. obviously, I love to waterfowl hunt. It's number one, but to go out waterfowl hunting in the morning, come home, have some lunch, take a nap, and then, well, should go do something and just grab the dog and hit the woods for grouse or woodcock. Like, yeah, hard to beat that. Yeah, it's, it is. Like, it's just. Is there know, a right? is there an upland breed that grabs your eye? Like, are you drawn to one? Any specific one? Pointers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I wonder why. Why are you just saying that? Because I'm here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I like. The thing about it is, my grandfather always had a, a picture in his living room, and it was one of those ones that almost looked like it was quilt, quilted. And it had, like, he had a couple Britneys grown, like, as he was, well, I say growing up, but not growing up when he was a customs officer. And he hunted with the dog a little bit, but he didn't really know that much, wasn't well trained or anything like that. But he did have a picture in there, and, and it had pointers on it and he he spoke one time about a guy that used to come up that had pointers that would that would do the job and uh anyway when i think about dogs like that that you see that seem to be like because for me i'm the same way as you when we were talking about the dogs we like that are sort of like field trial winners and type dogs like that like if i had one that's what i would want a dog that was you know proven had you know lineage way back that mm-hmm. were field trial champions you know i want to make my job easy you know field trials are, you know they, you know they're not not for everybody but um, um that's the type of dog i like an, an athletic dog um sometimes a range of a bird dog is something that's discussed a lot and uh, people have different opinions on it but to me if you have a, a good dog that's honest on their birds and uh uh, you know, range is, is not really all that important. The, you know, if, if the dog, if you trust the dog, let the dog go find your bird and, and uh, go shoot it. I understand that, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's limits with, with range, obviously, but uh, a lot of people get really too hung up on it. Uh, f- for me, I wouldn't mind the range doing it like you do, because you can see. Where the dog with is. a GPS collar, you've, yeah. G- you've got a GPS collar there. You know the dog isn't at that point isn't going to be out there blowing up birds. Like they're going to go out mm. there if they find a bird, they're going to wait for you to get there. It's um, de- there's definitely a learning curve to going from a lab that hunts close to a pointing dog that's covering ground. Like with Jace, my he was my first pointing dog, a DD, and holy crap, 
the first time he got out there 200 yards i about shit a brick oh yeah i'm like holy shit he's gone and i mean after a few years or not even years after a year or so you're like it's nothing i mean i've seen him the farthest he ever got he got like 1.2 or 1.3 kilometers away he zigged when he should have zagged by mistake uh, that's rolling <laughs> he was rolling yeah he got in the zone we were in a good spot and it was like he was just following my direction to travel and anyway he kind of did get off the path there it only ever happened the once but i mean it was pretty common to see him out two or three hundred yards like makes the gps collar pay for itself pretty quick oh, oh big that's time. bar none the best piece of equipment i ever bought like yeah. just the peace of mind it brings it's expensive it's an investment but it's it's i'd buy it if it was three times as much as what it costs i don't care you only, you only have to lose a dog once to figure out that yeah that's, well exactly that's and that's what i say when he was 1.3 kilometers away he he went to find me but he he hit the trail and he went the wrong way and he kept going the wrong way and yeah. i had to go get him from the well, from that distance he's not going to hear you calling him either no right? so, he didn't hear shit i mean yeah. i was calling him back with the caller but he he just yeah. lost track where it was. Exactly, yeah. It might, have, it might have been out of it, its effective range. No, it was point. calling. He tried to come to me, but he just missed my track. And he, he went, went the other way. this way when he should have went that way. And see, yeah. the, a couple points I want to make there. That tone button on those callers, yeah. like since I started using that, that's that's been huge. Because there is lots of times, like if I didn't know where my dog was, like if I just beep like that, on, they just... Yeah. Well, and the turn, th turn and burn and run back. But, and again, the difference between my dog and your dogs is like when I send mine and he goes over the hill, like he's trained to run to the end of the field. So he could be like the day we hunted in the rain. I'm like, we, we sailed a goose down. It went just over a knoll and in between the knoll and where the bird was or on the other side of the bird was the road. So I'm like, if I sent my dog for that bird, I know that he could go that distance. But when he goes over the hill, I can't handle him. So I don't know if he's missed the bird on the upwind side and it's going to run to the road or, or what. Because at that point, he's running straight, not quartering or whatever. So with a dog like yours, I'd feel much more comfortable with that GPS collar, knowing the dog's hunting yep. rather than mine. Yep. When he goes over a hill, I'm like, oh, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Because he would. He'd run to – because Robert Oaks was like, how far would he run? I'm like, he would run and pretty much until he hit the woods, like until I told him to stop and come back. Generally, in a, in a, like a woodcock cover that we hunt, you know, primarily, you know, you want your dog within bell range most of the time, but – and generally that's where they are uh but hunting where we are today for example those long yeah long hedgerows where their dog can be you know take the whole whole edge and go 200 yards you're gonna be out of bell range but as long as you can have a peek at your watch and see where the dog is you don't get too excited now do you think that over time your dogs would learn to understand that like this is the line fence I got to quarter that or run up one side or the other. And uh, I think the, those, those line fences were, were narrow enough that if they go up the right side of it, the wind side, they're going to pick up a bird. With the she will know. And yeah, she, yeah, she'd yeah. smell it. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so you could see her, that last one we did, I mean, she was just burning up the right side because yeah, the wind was blowing like, from left to right. And, I mean, she knew what was in there. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that I thought was really cool, standing back and watching all this happen, uh, 
was when you saw that bird, Andrew, go from the end of the line fence over to that island or in that direction. Like, I didn't see it, but the dog was down there, and uh, we couldn't hear her bell, and she wasn't running. So it made me wonder if she watched, like, marked. I think she had an idea where that bird went. Yeah, like... She went down down to that island and checked it out, and unbeknownst to us, the bird was up in a tree, so... She probably didn't send it that good when she went around there the first time. And she pretty, did stop a couple times, though, yeah, right? Like yeah, we said, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. we think Sean. Then we started was, walking over there. Yeah. And it was pretty high up in that tree, yeah. so yeah, she yeah. might have, she might have got some sort of whiff or something. But I just thought to myself after, I'm like, I bet that dog marked. I think she that she, bird. She go, knew where it was. Go we, that direction. We were far enough back, but uh, uh, we heard her stop. Or I, my my GPS went off. Um, just before uh, Andrew saw the bird cross the field there. So I think she had it pointed once, and but she she had an idea where it went. And there was another island of, of cover that uh, she went down, and we found the bird later. But it was uh, It's a different type of hunting than I'm used to, and it was a lot of fun today. Definitely. It, you, you can know, tell the dogs were not used to that too because every time when we were done a hedgerow or apple orchard the dogs immediately went to the woods <laughs> the yeah. next piece of cover yeah. yeah oh there's some woods over there i'm out yeah. <laughs> every time and it worked yeah <laughs> you know one thing i like about the going back to the tone button there like i i started doing it on my dog because you were telling me to do it with uh, jesse and one thing i really like about it for the upland world is if she's going out i don't have to carry a whistle constantly being constantly whistling them and saying hey get over here get over here yeah. hollering her name or whatever i just kind of have my hand on the road anyway and i can just tap it and next thing you know they're coming back to me right yeah so yeah. It's, it's just you know if you got buddies with you they don't want to hear you yelling or, or whistling like you know over the top right so or it's kind of nice just kind of adds to the peacefulness of it i guess you know d- definitely and, and you know that that's if the dog's ramming hard and running hard through cover or something like that you know that it's hooked to the dog and those especially the garmin ones are super loud too so you know that even if it's running or the wind's blowing hard, like it can hear you. That's right. It yeah, should yeah. be able to, anyway. And but, hear it over the bell. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What are you running for bells? Because it's not much different in size than that Canadian tire bell I got. But man, you can hear that forever. Uh, <clears throat> bells I get are, are uh, actually made by a friend of mine in uh, Bangor, Maine. Okay. Mike Flewelling, and uh, if you check the... Uh, oh, yeah, I heard that name before. Yeah, so they're called Flewelling Bells, or they might be Sunkays Bells. and Sunkays, uh, yeah. Sun, Sunkays. Sunkays, yeah. Yeah, so you can get them off uh, some of the sites. Uh, I, I get a few in once in a while that I that I uh, have available, but uh, maybe get some more this winter. But, I wonder uh, I like, that. I like those bells. Um, they, they, they're different types, copper, and you get some nickel ones, so they all, <clears> all have distinct sounds to them. And, of course, in a field trial, when we're running two dogs together, they both have to have a different bell. So mm-hmm. I got an assortment of bells to make sure that my bell sounds a little bit different than the other guys. So, you know, you can tell the, the dogs apart. But yeah. they, they cut through the woods pretty good. That's neat, eh? That's so one. traditional to have a bell on your yeah. dog and, yeah. and, ha- and and show up to a field trial and say, well, like, is that know, we, something you guys talk about before? Yeah, like, what we, bell are you going to use, Bob? Usually at the truck, you're you're comparing bells to make sure that... That's so. I've been to those trials yeah. before, and I've heard... I didn't know what I was doing or what anyone... But you'd hear the guys all, ding-a-ding-a-ding, ding-a-ding-a-ding, ding a ding all ringing bells. And so the hell are they no, doing? Nothing any more frustrating than turning two dogs loose and having, having the bells sound alike because you don't yeah. know... Yeah. So you have to know your own bell. It doesn't seem to scare the birds either, does it? I mean, all no, that racket no, and stuff. No, that's. I mean, a lot of guys like to hunt silent for grouse, and as I see, I see a lot of chatter on the internet about it. And uh, but I like the tradition of it, and I like the uh, the a bell will tell you ex- 
instantaneously what the dog's doing. Yeah, yeah. You don't, there's no delay. If you're waiting for a beeper, if you're waiting for a GPS, it's, there, there's going to be some delay, but a bell will tell you exactly what the dog is doing all the time. Mm. And the more you run a bell, you can tell by the cadence of the bell, you know, what that dog's doing. I can almost tell when a dog starts slowing down, working, working scent. You can tell by that mm -hmm. change of change of that bell tone, what that dog's doing. Yeah. So uh. I always had bells and all, all the field trials, you know, we have to use bells because the judges have to know where the dogs are as well. So, right. Yeah. And there is a lot to this reading your dog, even the, even if you get one on point and just their mannerisms and like the, that, uh, one of the birds there today, um, she went on point and you knew the bird was close just by what she looked like. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, he, you can start going over and kick and brush and we're like, Oh, it must be up in a tree. And that, and he goes over and kick and brush. Like, what the hell is he doing? Oh, sure, here, shit! It was right there. On, yeah. It was right there on the ground. She was locked up, and you said that you could tell by the way you she tell was by her intensity. Was and uh, you know, if you walk in and they're kind of looking around a little bit, you know, you know the birds maybe walked off. And the scent's not that good. But mm -hmm. If they're pointing with a ton of intensity and, and almost telling you that bird is right there, you, you know it's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, that was really neat seeing. I. It's just little things like that. Like I've hunted with Dave and Andrew here and their dogs. And I'm like, I think she's on point. <laughs> like, yeah. and I could tell just because of the intensity. Right. And like the tail's not moving and she's heads locked and sure as shit. Yeah. Ember's on point or even Maya, like her Clyde even. It's just neat. I find that uh, with Ember, I've noticed in the last, you know, a few weeks, month, whatever, when she does go on point, like, well, her tail's straight out. And it's not wagging usually, you know, if it's just, if it's a real point, you know. And uh, a lot of times you can tell she's trying to sniff the air, like her head's going up and up and back and forth and up and down a little bit. And you can tell she's trying to see it, you know, almost. And uh, she's trying to, you know, almost like her back leg don't want to move, but her like her front, she, she's trying to lean into the bird, you know, to get closer, <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean? And yeah. then you know it's real. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. game on. But it, it was definitely neat to see, though. And just, man, the birds held well and super solid points. And, Probably not the greatest scent and conditions. What's snow like? Is it good, bad, or? I, I guess it must be okay. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, mean. I, I, uh, I don't do a lot of hunting on the snow in the you know, traditional covers. Uh, it's a little bit different up here where you can hunt an edge, you know, a, a row. You know, especially if you get some wind, you know, your, your mm -hmm. snow's packed down better. But uh, so, you know, kind of got a unique situation here where you can where you can hunt a field yeah. as opposed to wading through a foot of snow in the woods that... Uh, it hasn't been packed down any. Yeah, it's not the most fun. We're pretty lucky to have that. <laughs> well, it seems to concentrate the birds this time of year because they yeah. what's left for food, really? I mean, they'll eat some buds, but I mean, yeah. cranberries, 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 you know, yep. it seems yeah. like in, in late December, I mean, yep. it's, it's so all the birds, and you can hunt a whole uh, normal cover for a whole afternoon, maybe raise a couple birds. You go hit a cranberry patch for five minutes and raise four, yep. you know, yep. you just... It's just uh, so much easier to find them, I guess. You know. Yeah, because we don't. I I never see birds up in the, in the buds up here ever. Oh, very seldom. Yeah. Hardly ever. Now, Dad just down in Aquick, half an hour away. No agriculture. He's shooting the hell out of them out of the trees. Yeah. Like half hour before dark, he'll yeah. go and he'll just all they, be up. They the must trees have enough bud. natural food up this way with the cranberries and the. I would say, yeah. Maybe some old apples and stuff like that. But. Yeah. I know it's about your hedgerows there. There's enough cover in there to hold birds too. You know, you got the red yeah. osier, dogwood stuff, and uh, you know the raspberry patch, and uh, enough enough yeah. uh, softwood there just to keep birds. I know a couple of those points a day, the birds are hunkering under the, trying to hide under the, the, the spruce trees or fir yeah. trees, and uh, just enough cover in those hedgerows to, to to hold your birds. Yeah. yeah, they're still feeding on some grass too, like where the snow hasn't built up underneath the trees. Yeah. 
Yeah, that well, one. I shot one a couple days ago there, and it had a couple it had a few buds in it, and it had uh, fern tips. Was yeah, it? yeah, fern yeah. tips in it. So. Yeah, but they're still into it a little bit, but mostly cranberries. One thing I wanted to bring up too, like you're talking about how today when you knew that that bird was close just by the way your dog was acting right like that's all part of working with your dog and being able to read your dog as a handler mm -hmm. and and some of those things you're like a, a lot of that is like you said earlier it's on the job training right that's right like you we just do two examples like we had a couple solid points a day and that uh, kamikaze bird that came at you matt mm -hmm. uh, she was on point, but nearly I, died her, today. Her, her head was up, and she was just a, bit, a little bit loose. So I knew, that, and I could see where it's the tracks underneath the spruce tree where the bird had, had come out. And I walked about 25 mm -hmm. yards ahead out to that point, and that bird looked down. So, but I knew that bird had walked off. So you, you learn to read your dog after mm -hmm. a while to to um, understand where the birds are. So um, you know, a couple of those points, we knew that bird was right there just by her by her intensity. Well, yeah, you were like. The first one you knew you were kicking the bush <laughs> and then you saw it right there underneath the branches like holy shit okay and then that second one you're like go up around the corner yeah. like you weren't just saying that for shits and giggles you knew where that bird was like oh frig funny that a partridge would do that eh so it's yeah. gross Come on. We were gross on today. Sorry, we were sorry gross that a gross For the record, there were no partridge shot today. It was all gross. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. But funny but funny that they would do that too cuz like normally that would be like a pheasant preserve thing. Yeah, oh, I see it right here. Yeah, we got that's a right. in the earth, you know, like that. Yeah. I think those birds today were acting, you know, the kind of typically what you'd, you'd want a grouse to, you know, the yeah. dog was in them points. They don't know what that dog is. Well, they they're probably they're, think they're hiding from a coyote, probably. Mm -hmm. They're right. going to stay under this bush. So that, and the, as long as the dog doesn't move, the bird's not going to move either. So uh, you know, we had some good, good setups here today. I, I found personally, like from hunting from the end of September right up till now, end of december december the month of december the birds seem to hold a lot tighter you guys find andrew and dave yeah i find when they get cold the cold weather comes yeah, you get a crispy weather. morning november morning even or something like that right they just yeah they just i don't know if they're cold or what the deal is but they do seem to hold a lot better which it, is nice yeah a lot to do with the cover they're in i mean if they, if they yeah. feel comfortable if, if it's wide open and they can have a good running lane they'll they'll take the running lane but if there's mm -hmm. some place where they can feel safe a couple of those birds today and those little spruce trees that just they stayed there till we have to kick them out yeah because i find october hunting my lord they run yep like you'll get the dog on point and go up and same thing like you said yep. the dog's looking at you and looking around and he's like it's like yep. okay that bird is like ben johnson got he's run out of there yep. and then try to relocate or whatever and yep you know all our like all my life and a lot of people i mean you, you hunt without a dog and it just makes you now when you get a dog and you see like, you know, you're trying to find this bird that, well, there's a bird here. She's pointing, and you're looking and looking and looking. You're five feet away. You can't see it. Mm. Yeah. How many birds did we walk past before <laughs> oh, we had dogs? <clears throat> it just, you know, it really hundreds. makes you wonder about it. Hundreds, yeah. yeah. Especially woodcock. You probably oh, buy more woodcock in your life yeah. than you dreamed and, of. And I've had a lot of people, even just this year, every year, you know, you get people, boys, I've put on the miles, haven't seen a bird yet this year. It must be a poor year. And I'm thinking, well, I've gone out for five minutes <laughs> with my dog, and I've, you know, I've, I've bumped up four or five or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I see birds all the time. So, I mean, it really, you know, it really goes to show you, I guess, that. Well, I can tell you, I've gone on 16 hunts this year with my dog between five and seven months and he's seven months old now 
and in 16 hunts and we're talking when i'm talking to hunt an hour to two hours maybe max and we've moved in total 140 birds there you go so yeah it's a lot of birds now it's 140 birds in a couple hour hunt so that's that's good. only 16 that's, hunts that's good uh, exposure for that young puppy yeah. and it's all gross no woodcock he was too young in september yeah. to get him out yeah. in the woods i think there. i'm at uh, about 220 yeah. partridge and 20 woodcock or so excuse me we don't we don't have Gross. we don't have hungarian partridge here. <laughs> Gross. have you uh, kept records robert over the years like uh i was kind of interested in not just uh outings time sighting stuff like that but also uh, this might put you on the spot but uh hit ratio <laughs> yeah. we won't talk about yeah, hit ratio. I, I used to keep numbers quite there but i, I haven't in the last number of years i'm uh, probably kicked my butt for not doing that but mm. uh Generally, uh, and it's funny, you, you know, you always think like the third week of October is a pretty good week for woodcock, which is, you know, flight yeah. birds. So, and, and it is a good week because the leaves are starting to come down. You can see better. But typically, we, I see more, and I, and I kind of played out this year. Uh, you see more birds the, the first week of the, or so of the season, and it kind of goes down. The woodcock numbers will kind of peak first week or two, then start going down, even though the shooting's easier. And you might feel like you're seeing more birds in the third and fourth week of October, but you see more birds earlier on, and uh, and grouse numbers go up. So your woodcock numbers kind of go up and flatten out during the season, and then grouse numbers start out slow, then get better as the season goes mm. on. Cooler weather brings the grouse out the sides of the road. But uh, woodcock, uh, you, you know, this year, and it, it's played out many years, that you, I see more birds like the last week of September, first week of October, second week of October. Mm. And even though the third week of October is great, you might get in some flights and that sort of thing. Uh, generally, we, we see more birds at the first part of the season. Shooting's a lot tougher. Yeah. And uh, But the numbers seem to be higher during the first part of the season. And But it's easier hunting, obviously, when through that third, fourth week of October. Yeah, that's your magical, that's your magical Yeah, I mean, the leaves are off. It's just, it's... Weather's good, dogs are running well. Better, better, better hunting conditions. And what about your dogs as far as like, uh, you know, with all the leaves on and the grass that's not dead, do you find they have a hard time picking up the birds more in the early season or or do you think Uh, they... No, I think we, you know... We we doesn't seem to make any difference. Pretty, yeah. uh, you know, obviously, if it gets warm in the middle in the middle of the day, like it's up in the twenties, uh, the, the warm weather, it'll, it'll it's not as easy finding birds during the middle of the day when it gets warm. But uh, uh, I don't think the the whether it's the first part of the season or not, they 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 figure it out. But the cooler mornings obviously are a little bit better. They're built I, for it though, way eh? your dogs. Like, well, yeah, their they, hide is so you know yeah, their their hide my, is built. Can take a, can take the heat they, they yeah. can go they can go hard and you know when you look at a lot of labs nowadays too their their coats are getting a lot mm. thinner like you look at like a show lab what people would call a british lab or an mm. english lab compared to like we'll field say trial. Uh, yeah like a field trial their hide is getting a lot their coat is getting a lot shorter now and mm. i think personally it's because a lot of them are being bred down in the states i mean they're just yeah. naturally by happenstance over time are, are going to be you don't want them with a heavy coat right they're down there in with the, the weather more, more heat tolerant oh it. geez yeah the southern heat is super well you know yep. i mean even in the winter time it's hot can get and with so with uh as far as another thing going back to scenting conditions obviously with a pointer or setter i mean they're they're air centers right mm-hmm. and i mean he's his gsp or his griff or my dd like they're ground center, so 
Well, it wouldn't be you, quite you, as you, much. You, you say that, but I, th- well, I think generally when they when, when your when your dogs are, are hunting, uh, they. A lot of times you'll see them hunting with their head down some, but mm-hmm. really when you watch them slam on point, they're usually their head comes up. So they're they're okay, picking up, yeah. they're picking up uh, air scent. I think when they're pointing, I think when they use because they're versatile they, for for tracking wounded game, they're going to they're going to put their nose down and, yeah. and ground scent. But I think for pointing birds, your your dogs are, are air scenting the same as they the are scenting some too. Absolutely, because I definitely notice the difference between like uh, Dave's setter and like Andrew's GSP or Griff or well, my dog's just a pop, but. Ours are more nose to the ground, where his setter, she's really high headed. Yep. yep. The, the other thing, though, is like my my setter is very. Well, you see how fast she runs around. Like yeah. I mean, she's just long you know, legs. Let's hammer down, and I mean, yeah. it's too fast, really. I mean, she runs over the birds a lot. You know what I mean? But, but she'll, I wonder if maybe that's that. maybe that's part of the reason, right? That uh, she got her head up because she's going so fast. She's not gonna have her head down, I guess. You know, too. But. Pointers and setters tend to, you know, hunt more with her head up. And, yeah. uh, but I think even, even the versatiles they're you know, they're pointing is, is from air scent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it makes sense. Cause the so, ground is just old scent. Yeah. I know if I send, uh, my GSP after a bird that was shot, mm. her head is on the ground. Yeah, I think she tracking, knows the yeah. difference yeah. for yeah. tracking there, yeah. put their head down. Yeah. Mm. So, so, uh, you were saying, oh, she'll grow out of that there. So when you run the, your, your pup, your dogs as pups say, are they, Hammer down as well. They're hammered down, and, and, and it's really something you, they, they probably won't. You know, the speed's not going to change any, but she'll she'll learn that you know when she picked up that first scent, she better stop. Slow so, down. Uh, I wouldn't be too. I like a fast dog, and you'll you'll, yeah. you'll get to like a fast dog. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know they they'll they'll figure out they'll their, where, where their nose is and won't outrun their yeah. nose after a while. But you know if they're they're a puppy, a young dog, they're gonna. They're going to run over the share game. Yeah. yeah, she's she's only a year. So, in no, your opinion, how long does it take before for a pointing dog to become what you would consider a seasoned dog? <laughs> roughly, it's going to depend on the individual. But uh, with a dog three, with training, three summer years, training, three years old, three years. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, we run what we call derby age dogs up till they're about two years old, and even in a field trial, they're not expected to be you know broke to mm-hmm. to wing and shot. So uh, I always say, you know. A fall derby was a, like a year and a half old. Um, you know, they're just expected to flashpoint a bird, and everything's okay. Yeah. So uh, if you if you extrapolate that to a guy's hunting dog, I think that's guys run into problems because they expect way too much of, of puppies. Push them too hard. I agree. Push them too hard. Push them too hard too early. Yeah. yeah. And even if, not necessarily push them too hard, but expecting too much of them and they get yeah. frustrated. Yeah. So just go have fun with your dog until it's about a year and a half old and you know, just expose the dog to game and let the dog figure it out on their own. Yeah. Bring out that pointing instinct and that handling. People get so wound up about, um, you know, birds, 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 which is important, but uh, just as important is to be able to handle your dog you know where you want that dog to be and make sure the dog stays with you and stays in front of you those things are, are what guys kind of overlook instead of you know, birds 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 you know it's just obviously important but learn to handle your dog the fundamental so, skills i saw you a few times there today reeling your dog in and and handling like showing her that you wanted her back in the woods and yeah, things like yeah. that is that is that something that you teach formally because i mean i teach that formally for mine but a lot of our a lot of our hunting these days are you know we, we hunt to, um, tote roads and skid trails and that sort of thing and the dogs understand that, you know and that's the same thing today with hunting those hedgerows 
difficult for a dog to get in that little spot and mm-hmm. to stay in there. But uh, when you're hunting a road, I, you know, I want my dog in the cover. I don't want the dog running up and down the road. So yeah. I, you might have noticed me giving that one little toot. And then they, I give that one toot and the whistle means get off the road, get in the woods. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so, but, you know, they figure out where the game is and they're going to get off in the cover by themselves. But generally when the, the hunting that we were doing today, you know, it was kind of new to them. So yeah, I just want to get them used to get into that hedgerow and stay, yeah. at least staying close to the hedgerow. You yeah. know, you know, you were saying there, you like to keep your dog in front of you and stuff. So would it be fair to say, like, I mean, I know you got large, large running dogs, right? But uh, would it be fair to say as a pup or a younger dog, let's say, you know, a year or two or whatever, you like to keep her in sight so you know what's going on? Exactly. Um, I was t- talking to Matthew earlier today, like we have a young dog, a puppy, or not so much puppies. I, I just tell guys to take that puppy out the first year and show them as many feathers, blood, guts as you can, and fire that dog up. Just mm-hmm. get that dog hunting, fired up. And the second year, you know, keep the dog a little bit closer because this time, at that time, you're, you, we've gone through a season, probably done some pigeon work, trying to steady the dog up a little bit. What you don't want now is you want to take that chase out. So you want that dog to stay a little bit closer to you so that you see the dog making game, point a woodcock or grouse, and instead of it bumping that bird and chasing it, you're able, you're right there to correct the dog, set the dog back. Mm. Where if the dog's out there 200 yards over the hill, it's going to do all the bumping and chasing it wants, and you're not going to know what's going on. So yeah. keep the dog ranged in, uh, work on your woe commands in the off season, and, and know what you expect of the dog. So you get the dog doing a certain thing on pigeons in the field, you should be able to carry that over to the to the wild birds and do the same thing there because the dog already been through that session on pigeons where you made that dog stand still through the shot or whatever mm-hmm. you whatever you want to do. Well, you should be able to transfer that into the woods and do the same thing on wild birds. Yeah, yeah. keep the same yeah. standard on a wild. Try bird. to try to master as yeah. much as you can in that's a controlled right. so, scenario. That's right. So you do all the controlled stuff, but then you want to keep that dog closer to you that first year or two so that you can make those corrections if you have to when it's on 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 wild birds and then once you get that dog steady or broke wherever you want to take that dog to well then you can let that dog walk your 200 yards and you know it's going to point a bird and, and hold it there for you so in your opinion on a one-year-old dog like say his setter ember is it ember or amber because you always em- t- oh, well it's a spell check on okay it always says amber because okay. i use a talk thing it always says amber but yeah. it's actually ember okay so ember ember's a year old setter <laughs> and in your opinion what what is close like what would you say for her at a year old what is close like how what range should she be staying at roughly uh you want to be able to see her and, basically and, and, and handle her i mean if she's running over the hill I mean, this is her first season. First, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I wouldn't be too concerned about it at all. She's I mean, 13 that, months old right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, you're, today, you're just, you're, she just come through her first hunting season. And as I tell people, just put them on, let them have their fun, you know? Yeah. yeah. Next year, as you're doing some, some work with her through the spring and the summer, then keep her a little bit closer next year so that you can mm. train her on, on wild birds as opposed to being up there yeah. too far where you can't handle her. Because she did, she did friggin' awesome. She had some... Really nice points yeah, for I mean, a young that's, dog. That's what you want to do. Well, you know, yeah. kill some, kill some birds, and yeah. but let her do it naturally. You're not really putting a lot of pressure on her, and yeah. Uh, yeah. fire her up, and then you know, in the off season, you do your pigeon work, and then transfer that to the field. See, the uh, during the summer here, I had her. I was just at the end of August here, just before the season started. You know, I had her where I was just starting to get her steady. You know what I mean? Like to the wing, and she actually shot on pigeons. Nice, nice. But the moment I introduced quail and chuckers and stuff. And, and grouse, you know, yep. it's just like she lost, lose her mind. It's yep. just too much. Yep. She can't handle it, you know. Yep. And I, I think it's 
you know, probably because I don't know, they just flush differently, louder, or what it well, is. No, I mean, yeah. pitch is pretty uh, loud, but, but uh, something about wild birds, especially grouse, I, I tell people it's almost like crack cocaine to those, uh, yeah. yeah, those pointing dogs. So, I mean, it's a phase you're gonna have to throw, you know, they're gonna figure it out. And, uh, you know, that would bring me back to another question I was asking to ask you because tame birds, you know, quail and chuckers, like I raised them last year for our training and stuff, and they're not the best of flyers, you know. And, um, I had her actually catch, you know couple chuckers on me probably not good no, no. <laughs> and i think that really added to my problem of her wanting to chase yeah, you know yeah. and uh it was like you use pigeons but do you really do you use a lot of chuckers and quail or if you do how do you I mean, I, you got to be I, extra I, careful I don't obviously use chuckers, but when i go down south uh, north carolina in the winter time we, all, we do use pigeons down there too but the, all the field trial down there are on are on quail so we do uh, train a lot in quail. Uh, down there, we seem to get into really good flying quail. We know they, the birds that we buy from big outfits, they're all flight condition. They have big flight pens big in there. Big flight so, pens, yeah. So those birds that we buy down there when we're training, um, they tend to fly good. And uh, very seldom have a dog catch a bird when I'm down south. But I know up here when you buy birds that, you know, they, you buy the two-month-old birds that are you know, supposedly flight condition, but they're not really. I mean, that's, yeah. you're, you're, you're asking for trouble. And so yeah. when I do get birds, maybe I, I get them from Ontario, that guy up there, Gerber, mm -hmm. and um, you're generally pretty good flying birds. So I think that's, that's a, probably a good point. If you're going to work with those birds, either make sure you got control of the dog that they're not going to catch them or, yeah, or, check or, check or, or make sure they're yeah. really good flying birds yeah because i was kind of trusting her too much right i was like well she's doing good on pigeons so i'm gonna let her let yeah. her not have a check yeah. cord on her because i had to do shooting too sometimes yeah. right and you can't do everything to, you know if you're alone kind of thing and yeah. so anyway and the quail weren't too bad because they are pretty good flyers they would go up in a tree and perch yeah. but the chuckers you might get one or two that's like wow he can really fly you know and then the next one is like man he can't even go 10 feet you know yeah, yeah. so we, we kind of i they don't need know set your back and your training a little bit with the, those dogs start catching birds on you then oh man. Yeah. yeah so I, that's why you know you can you know release release traps and and, and pigeons are uh, are pretty uh, pretty good training tools yeah my yeah. uh first dog jace there the dd he caught a freaking grouse man yep. that took four ever to get him out of chasing them after that mm -hmm. like a live healthy grouse caught it i was like holy shit how did you do that i don't know but it man it set us back holy yeah. cow it set us back so, yeah. so. you call that you say oh he was lucky but then you think that's kind of bad lucky you know yeah, for, sure. <laughs> for you <laughs> what's your uh process or thoughts on so if you have people up hunting and your dog's working some cover the wind's wrong, but a partridge or grouse flies up. Do you shoot it? Do you... It probably depends on what dog I have on the ground, but uh, generally, uh, you know, grouse are, are you know a lot of fun, obviously. And so mm. I, I tell guys, you know, if you get a, a, a safe shot on a grouse, if you want to take it, take it. Generally, on a woodcock, uh, we we um, just shoot pointed birds. You know, we have lots of lots of birds that get you know walked up or. Mm -hmm good chances but you know we got dogs out in front of us there you know you know they're out there for a reason so you know we have lots of woodcocks so let's let's just shoot pointed birds but you know you get a good chance on a grouse and and, and a nice flush um take it we you know we we long as a safe shot we, that's we take a big that. thing yeah and that's you but a lot of times if you know again if it's a young dog and that dog's in hot pursuit of that bird um uh, you know, you you might want different to, story. Yeah, you might yeah. want to. But uh, a lot of times, if you you know, get, grouse gets walked up or comes out of a tree or whatever, you know, that's that's fair game. But uh, but if a dog just out and out 
bumps and chases a, a grouse and i would kind of hold off on something like that mm-hmm. okay. they're, they're you know maybe not so much a puppy because you're just trying to fire it up but an older dog that's had some training uh, you don't want to get in that dog's head that it's okay to to uh, bump a bird because he's just going to shoot it anyway so uh, you know you might want to instead of instead of shooting that bird putting your gun down for a second and correcting that dog by take kicking him by the by the with the rough of the neck and the right. collar and setting them back with that. So a lot of use it's it, use very it as a, specific to the dog. Use it as a training opportunity as opposed to just putting meat in the table. Right. Yeah. So obviously I did, that's what I did this fall. My dog was six, seven months old. And I mean, I was just letting him get on birds, build desire. And yep. I've actually watched that. So next fall, he'll be a year and a half and he'll have a summer, not a winter, but a summer full of pigeon training yep. what should the process be for me next fall well I, again i try to, try to keep the dog closer to you so you can see yeah. what's going on you know uh, it depends on how far you take it take the dog with the pigeons you know if you, yeah. you want the dog to be steady to wing and shot which is pretty young for that dog you next fall yeah but uh you want next fall i would say be able to have that dog stand still so you can walk in front of it flush the bird yourself if mm-hmm. it breaks on the flush or the shot not a big deal because you can mm. correct that later as the dog ages but generally you're looking for a dog that you're able to have stand there and allow you to walk in front of and flush the bird okay yeah yeah because this year it's been fun to watch like i said we've been on 16 hunts together that's it mm-hmm. and in those 16 hunts from the first time to the last hunt which was just two days ago watching his drive and his desire and his ability to find birds and actually hunt and quarter and stuff has been really neat like he knows his purpose yeah he knows what he's he knows what he wants to do now which is exactly what i want him to do and i mean i didn't i only shot one over and yeah. we put up a dozen birds yeah well i'd but, say with puppies I, I i'm not shy in shooting because you're just yeah. more more of a fire up thing and so I tell people you know 90 percent of this bird dog training is just exposure to game yeah. that you're hunting and that's what i noticed like Two days ago on one of the birds, I flushed. Well, we actually flushed four. He was hunting up when my mistake. Anyway, but we weren't really looking to shoot. And anyway, one of the birds we put up flew out across the field. And he took off after that just a kai And like, yip, yip, yip. He was, I'm excited. <laughs> and that's the first time like that he's ever done that. So you can see his drive and desire has gone from like, holy shit, what was that? To just freaking yep. out no yep. and he'll point on the flush a lot and stuff it's just been fun to watch yep. but next year will be a, a lot, little bit a lot more. more fun for you yeah you yeah. know something that goes and what kind of in the same idea what we're talking about here is uh let's say you get to a spot and your dog's on point and you walk up and you're like man you know like this is really thick cover if i go in there and flush that bird start kicking around there's no way i'm ever going to get a shot now what's your take on that like i mean of course you're going to say it's going to depend on maybe the age but when is it like when can well, know, you like, when is it okay say yeah, ever <laughs> get in there you know what i mean do you ever let your dogs go uh, I, I, I don't personally uh, do that um if you watch enough video and talk to people like that's kind of a british it's a british thing mm-hmm. where they train their dogs to flush the birds for them and uh, it's just not something north it's not a north american thing for yeah. playing dogs here you know we're expected to flush the bird ourselves you can uh, get into a lot of trouble that way because my other dog jace i never trained him to relocate when I tapped him on the head, that bird was coming up. And it didn't matter if it was 15 yards away yep. or 50. Yep. And that's the issue. If I didn't put the bird up and I let him go, he was going to put it up no matter what. And a lot of time with the grouse, they friggin' run out on you. Yeah. So is relocation so, something you're supposed to train or is that just automatic? Because I thought it was automatic. But. Well, it's not automatic because, uh, you know, they, if, if that 
birds close, for example, you, you, you come to a thicket and that dog's pointing there and you don't want to go in there and flush, the bird might be right there. So the, mm. what, what you're saying to the dog, if you turn it loose, go ahead and flush that bird because he's still smelling the bird. Yeah. Right. A relocation is where they kind of lost scent. You've yeah. done your big flushing job, so you're going to let the dog relocate and it's going to go up and hit scent again and stop and point. Yeah. Right. So that's relocation. But on the scenario you're talking about, if you tap that dog, because he's probably just smell, still smelling that bird, yeah. smelling where that bird was, he's going to go ahead and probably, you know, some dogs will go ahead and point it again. But a lot of times, you're, you, you know, he might think, well, you you're just want me to flush that bird for you. Right. If that's what you've mm-hmm. been trying to do. So, so really. That's something I do not do not do is, yeah. is I'll, I'll even, if, you know, I'll, I'll flush, 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 flush. And I tell, I have an old saying, I said, I, dog goes on point. You flush as if it's a grouse, and you settle for a woodcock. Right. So I make <laughs> yeah. it like a 25-yard yeah. flush and come back to the dog before I relocate him. Well, that's another question I was going to ask. Uh, how yeah. far do you go? So 25 so yards. That's another thing. Yeah. You watch. Don't be afraid to flush and let that dog stand there. Flush, right. flush, flush. So we're right. watching grouse hunting videos and stuff, and you just there's no one to learn from. Like, I can watch retriever training videos. I can watch it in an open field, exactly what they do. So your dog goes on point. Uh, you're presumably on a grouse how do you approach your dog on point idea in cover not like yeah. where we were today well, so what I mean, do you do you know a lot of times it depends on the path or the trail or whatever you're trying to follow sometimes you have, you have no choice but come in from behind but mm-hmm. if you have a choice and you think you're in grouse cover you, you try to come in from the side and maybe you know so the dog can kind of see you sense where you're mm-hmm. where I'm, and the bird's going to be out in front of the dog and you know a lot of times when I'm, when I'm taking especially new people i'm taking hunting you know they'll come to the dog and they'll kind of freeze and stand behind the dog, like you know, get by the get dog. Ahead of the dog. The bird, ninety-nine percent of the time, is going to be in front of that dog somewhere. It's not going to be behind the dog. It's going to mm-hmm. be in front of the dog. So get out in front of the dog. That's going to put you closer to that bird. So if you have a chance, always an opportunity to come in from the side, then then kind of come in from that angle, then go out in front of the dog. And, and How far in front of the dog do you typically say? Like- say I I, I I don't mind. I when that dog stops, it's stopping for a reason. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to make a, a really good flushing attempt because you're you're rewarding the dog. You're telling the dog, mm-hmm. you've done your job, stand still. I'm going to flush this big area here. If I can't get a bird up, I go back to the dog, tap him on the head. You go up and cry. So how big of, of an up. area? Like 20 yards? Yeah, I say 20, 25, 25. yards. I'm, especially yeah. if you think it's a running grouse, you you try to get that dog, that bird in the air. But yeah. that's a relocation. That's not a, that's not a you go flush it. That's, that's right. I've gone 25 yards. That's right. I can't yeah. find it. That's it's right. ran. You that's go right. find yeah. it for me yeah. again. So as far as the, getting the dog to flush itself, it's just something I don't do. And I know some yeah. guys train for that, but it's it's not something I Makes do. sense, though. I mean, you're allowing your dog to break and flush the bird. Well, and then yeah. they're like, holy yeah. shit, yeah. that it's, was fun. It's a, it's a different exactly. type of situation. It, it's common in in Europe, apparently, for people to train their dogs to do that. And um, God bless them, but it's just, it's not something that we do. Yeah, like... I got in trouble with Jace. I, and I just, obviously, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I just wouldn't be able to find the bird. But I wasn't making a solid attempt because I just, I don't Didn't know how to do it. You don't, I've never had anyone like you yeah. to show me what to do. people get, so. get too too excited to move that dog on instead of just, the dog done its part. It smelt, smelled a bird. Yeah. Here, stop. It's got you into the area. Make yeah. a good flushing attempt. Try to get that bird in the air. Yeah. I've been making that mistake this year a lot. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, and I'm like, Every time I go in, I, I, I go in maybe 10 yards, look around. Well, nothing there. And then I say, Ember. Yeah, you know, and then and you and let I, her go, and then and she then, puts then, it up. And sure enough, she'll go down the line fence about 20 yards, and boom, and there goes <laughs> yep. the bird. Right? Your so, eyes are better than the dog's nose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah, exactly you know? what I did with Jay's too many times. I'd let him go when he's on point, because I didn't see it, but I'd just make a shitty, stupid 
attempt. Don't, and don't be afraid to let that dog stand there for a couple minutes yeah. and have a good flushing attempt. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've made that mistake a lot. That's like, what I'm just, I did. I'm sticking in my head and I'm like, man, like I'm thinking four or five and times. I could, right I could never get him out of that. Yeah. Like he would never relocate ever. Like yeah. as soon as it I let him go. It was a flushing game to him. It was a flushing yeah. game because I'd let him go when he was obviously on point. And then, well, okay, well, I'll go get the bastard yeah, if you want. So, so that's the case there where that dog. And I'd shoot your, it too. Yeah, your dog's still <laughs> smelling that bird. So, yeah. you know, he's still on point and, you know, you're, you're telling yeah. him to go flush the bird. So, so even if he wasn't, even if the bird did run off, say, 50 yards, I mean, to him, I was giving him the okay to go get it. Yeah. No matter where it was. And that's the issue I ran into. I kept doing that over and over. So, I mean, that's, it, a, that's a training thing. And, and yeah. you know, you, if basically, if you, your dog was out and you see the dog take that bird out and then you got to correct that dog so yeah. they, he you got to tell that dog that it's not okay to bump the bird yeah. even if it's a relocation you well, still with, expected the, to pull so yeah. with the pup i'm not going to let him flush period i'll flush the bird there you go so yeah. should i uh and and so you should to train be, that you should be happy for your dog to stand still yeah 100 percent. But, but to train that like should i take a windy day take my my dog and with the check cord save on a pigeon and because uh, they'll pick that up 50 yards away sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So then, okay, she'll go on point 50 yards away. Great, we got 50 yards to work with, you know. Then should I just pretend to walk around, then come back and hit her on the back of the head, but keep a hold of the of the cord you when get, she runs you, in and say stop her again and you say. Can try say that, you but if she's still smelling that, if she's still smelling that bird, um, I, 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 it, it's a difficult thing to train with with pigeons like that because she that wind's coming at her. She's still smelling that bird. Right. So you're. So she'll never leave the yeah, scent cone. So, Generally, you know, you should have that dog. If you, if, if you encourage her to move, she shouldn't want to move because she's right. smelling that bird. So, so it's, really it's, the only it's, way it's, to train it's a, it. It's a wild bird thing, really. It's, it's, right. a, it's you know, when that bird has ran off on you, you know, if you had good running pheasants, maybe you could maybe try that in the field. But right. it's, it'd be a difficult uh, drill to do. With, some with things pigeons. you just can't recreate. You yeah. know, and that's why we just do so much, you know, we have the availability to do some training in the summer when the birds are off nest that, that july august september training mm-hmm. is is invaluable because you know wild bird dogs need wild birds so yeah. that's another question as far as training with pigeons do you like to set a pigeon out for a long time get a big heavy scent cone or do you leave them out a short time so you avoid the 50 yard points because that's a tricky area. Yeah, it is. But you, a lot of times, I make sure that 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 dog's not coming in right straight downwind. That you, know, you make you, sure you, you cut. Yeah, yeah. You, you cut the thing so it's not yeah. hitting that bird from okay. 50 yards away, and you want to creep and all that stuff. So I I like to have it set up so that the bird comes or the dog comes by and hits that hits that scent like crosswind or whatever. And just, and, boom, yeah, yeah. Hits yeah, you, it hard and stuff. You really, uh, you really, when you see that, like I I did have a little area and it was about like say 50 yards and my dog would pick it up 50 yards and like she can't be smelling that far. You yeah, know, it they, really makes yeah. you realize, holy yeah, smokes, they, they got they, a good they, nose, they, you know? They smell a long way. Well, you think that. realistically the worst dog, so we'll say like a pug, a, yeah. a pug <laughs> or a bulldog can smell 10,000 times better than we can. Yeah. So like That's the worst. You, you think of things like bloodhounds that would be on the upper end of the scale that would smell hundreds of thousands of times yeah. better than we can. Yeah. yeah, they might as well be blind. Like they, they could see the world by scent. Yeah. They, they smell color basically. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. You know. So yeah. when when you think about things like that, you know, yep. really make really makes sense for for a dog like that. But. Uh, something else i wanted to make a point of and I, and i did write it down here too was that sometimes i i think that we get way too ultra focused on a goal at the end and we forget about 
the fundamentals, like the process to get there and whatever dog work we're doing. And uh, we rush by steps and skip steps. And then you don't realize that you've done that until you make a mistake. And then you're like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't let that dog catch that bird or bust through that cover and bust those birds. So, um, but one other thing I wanted to say too is, is in my game, there was a lot of chatter about like, got to get that dog retrieving, got to get them all wound up and don't worry about steadiness and things like that. And for some of the dogs that I've worked with, uh, before this past year, that was definitely a thing. Like they weren't really puppies, but they were young dogs and definitely needed that because just the work would be enough mental stress for them you know um besides trying to get them excited about doing the job but i wondered like with the dog i have now and even mike lardy has said the same thing he's like now some of these dogs are so high octane that it's not as critical to wind them up like they need to be checked down a little earlier because they're so wild like if you don't like for my guy like if i wouldn't have checked him down i'd had a lot of trouble because he's just so much horsepower you have to read your your puppies you know your you know whatever they can stand i mean uh right i've i've had you know dogs you know well the dogs are you know well-bred dogs that are you know broke the wing and shot when they're a year old right others because they can take it they're so high octane well they well they can take training yeah uh, where other dogs, you say, well, yeah, I got to get more, take more, some more time with this dog because you know I don't want to create a problem. But right. you read your dog and know what they can handle. Right. Um, you know, you can you can bring a dog to a higher level quicker. But, right. But um, you know, I encourage people that maybe haven't you know just have their the odd dog every ten years to take your time and go through the steps. But um, you know, you get a lot of dogs, you know what you're looking at. You can you can you can move dogs on at, at a quicker pace if you, if you have the right dog. Is there a program that you would kind of recommend for people to follow, to, like a training program? There's, Anybody that you know that has something out there, like a DVD yeah, set or uh, like books? The, or? I, I, you know, there's different ones, obviously, but uh, the I don't know. If people probably heard heard of uh, Rick and Ronnie Smith. I think it's called the Smith Method or the. Yeah. With a Hunt Smith, yeah, or, Delmar Smith. Del, well, it started with Delmar. Yeah. It was her uncle, but uh, they they have videos and they do seminars and that sort of thing. So I'm a big. I, I use the belly band, uh, or you know, electric collar around the dog's waist for for steadiness, and and that's a big big thing. They so they call it the silent method, and I kind of overlay the commands, you know, as we go through that. But you know, getting into a training training situation here, but that's one one uh, one. Uh, program that i kind of follow is you know i use the the woe post the the, the uh, belly band and that, that silent method they call it and i you know use parts of there's an old book called uh, by uh, i think paul long and it's an old time trainer uh you know basically heal and woe heal and woe heal and woe heal the dog woe heal the dog woe get the dog used to walk you know walking by the dog and uh, and he's he's an old an old book, but a, a lot of people still follow that that guideline too, Paul Long, and uh, so between the Paul Long method and, and the Smith method, uh, kind of a combination of those two. Would you recommend that everybody start with like a solid foundation of obedience? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, 
I think there's an old saying for bird dogs, you know, there's really three things. The dog has to go with you. In other words, go hunt with you and stay with you and stay in front of you. The dog has to come when it's called, and the dog's got to stop and command like a woe training. So you get those three things down, and a lot of it is, is obedience training. So your woe training in the yard, you come when you're called, and go with you. Go, stop, come. Yep. Yep. There's nothing more frustrating than a dog doesn't have basic obedience. You yep, know, yep. you can you can take a mutt with basically, I shouldn't say mutt, but you can take a dog that's not a hunting dog and have good obedience and yep. go have a good time. But you can take a hunting dog that's got all the genetics in it. If they don't, if they're not obedient, you're going to have if a terrible time. If they don't go with you and come when you're called, there's not much good to them. Well, yeah. for me, I always said that, like, if your dog, it's, it's, it's like building a house. Obedience is... And I say this to my clients all the time. I'm like, obedience is the foundation. Yep. So whether your dog's going to be a field trial champion or a dog that's going to hold the couch down while you're gone to work, they all need that foundation. Whatever you build on top of that foundation is whatever you want to do. But that's that's like your preschool, kindergarten. Those are your foundational tools and skills that start your do- you teach your dog how to learn. That's right. And it, And I'm like, man, if your dog won't listen to you when they're six inches away, like... How are they going to when they're 60 feet away? Like, you can't communicate with them, yeah. you know. So yeah, That, that uh, goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Something I'd like to talk about is the number of dogs out, you know. Um, you see a lot of shows or whatever, they'll have two, three dogs out. We've, we've run a few dogs together. Um, That's just more for us for fun. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 somebody asked me that question today. And really, that was me. <laughs> and when I'm hunting or um, guiding, uh, we just hunt one dog at a time. I know mm. I know lots of guys run two dogs, a brace of dogs. It's kind of it's kind of pretty and it's kind of romantic looking to have one dog back and the other and those sort of things. Now training, if I have another handler with me, we, we train in the summertime because we're trying to duplicate a field trial. And you know you hand your dog and I'll handle my dog and we'll try to have them you know hunt together and we'll, we'll get them backing. Hopefully one of them will find a bird. We get to bring the other one dog into back. So it's a training thing. But for hunting, I tell people you know. You know, we're hunting in tight cover here, especially. I mean, it's a little bit different maybe. And even what we're doing today, you could probably run two dogs. But generally in, in woodcock grouse cover, one dog, if, from my from my point of view, is, is plenty. And I tell people, you know, the reason why you have two or three dogs is that you can go all day, rotate your dogs. Right. And if a dog gets tired, you can have another dog to work. But if you run them all at the same time, they're all going to be tired by noon. So. Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah, true. And if you want to hunt a bunch of covers, yeah. You yeah, so, I mean, covers. especially young dogs that you're trying to concentrate on, on one dog and do some training with, all the other dogs are going to do is mess that dog up. So yeah. just, you know, if, if, if my advice to anybody with, with multiple dogs or you have friends, just rotate, take your time. And, mm-hmm. and what we do is that whoever has a young dog, especially in hunting season when you're going hunting, whoever's going to handle the dog, he doesn't carry a gun. He just focuses on the dog. Try to do your steady and work. Try to get that dog pointing and, and staunched up on game and do your corrections if you have to. Yeah. Let your friends do the shooting. Just You just focus on the dog. If that's one thing I can tell young guys. Amen. Just, I agree 100%. That. that would yeah. be, a, we actually, Andrew and I were, just, were talking about in the truck, and I was saying, you know, it's it's hard because when your hunting season comes, you fall back so much. Yep. Because, well, if you're alone especially, yep. but you can't. You can't shoot and, and, yeah, and I mean, train that if, dog, if, if, you know. If, so. you're, if you're alone, it's, I mean, but I've heard lots of guys saying, you know, I, I, I couldn't. Yeah. My dog broke on me because I was trying to shoot the bird. Well, I tell guys, these dogs aren't long figuring out the difference between a shotgun and a blank gun. Yeah. I can have a dog perfectly broke all summer long shooting a blank gun. 
you get a shotgun, they're anticipating that bird falling out of the sky, that dog's going to break on you. So I tell you, the guys, and you just if you're handling the dog and it was your young dog, you don't carry a gun. You just focus yeah. all on that dog. You stand beside that dog, let them do the flushing, do the shooting. You just make that dog stand there and do what they're supposed to do. So you'll walk up. I mean, you're not going to run a checkboard on them on a real no, situation. No, but you're, so but you'll you walk got, up. You're, you have your, you know, obviously you can't you can't even uh, operate a uh, a knee collar while you're shooting a gun. No, yeah. exactly. So yeah, you're you're just focusing on training that dog. Let the other guys do the shooting. If they kill a bird for that dog, it's a bonus. And you just make the dog do yeah. what you want the dog to do. And you'll use your e-collar as enforcement, not a check cord. You won't walk up, snap a check cord on, and no, say, "Okay, now no, I got no. total control here." Well, if you you should be doing your base work so that you have that dog woe trained, so that you can, yeah, you know, he, if that dog breaks and you can crack the dog, and he knows he's he's yeah. he's he's broke the woe command instead of the bird. You know, the bird shouldn't have nothing to do with it. In other words, if that dog breaks and chases the bird, and you're correcting him for breaking his woe command, not not for the fact he's chasing a bird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, this this fall's different. I mean, we had three dogs a year or less. Next I mean, fall, you're, you're talking, we're going to have... You're going to be in some training situation there where, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're hunting together, just whoever owns a dog, just let you do the handling and, and try to enforce the things you've taught that dog this summer on the, in the wild birds. Yeah. So, so yeah. next fall, we need, or even in summer, like you said, on wild birds, we need to take more days where we okay this is going to be a hunt but it's a training session one at a time yeah, yeah, one yeah. dog at a time we're going to take your dog Come you're not going to take a gun yeah and yeah. we're going to work well, on them and, doing and, what the dog needs and now that we're starting our whole chasing the king it's uh so now <laughs> we're 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 going to be more than one person together like yeah but like last year hunting with jesse well on my retriever and i mean it's i shot 15 birds over her you know but it was all myself i mean i was yeah. never hardly ever with anybody else it was just, well just i mean me, flusher's you know? so, different right like but you, even with ember at the beginning of the year like before we really kind of got together you know on a regular basis it was yeah it was me alone a lot of times so yeah. i mean she, it was hard to kind of be okay i'm not going to carry a, you know i mean i guess i could just went out and flush birds you know that's but, that's me for the last 20 years doing it yeah. by myself because there's but nobody if i if i have it. a young dog that i'm well, you know, you want to get kill some birds, and if I, if I, even September, season up fifteen September, I, I really don't do a lot of hunting. Yeah. But if I have a young dog, uh, like go up with the friends and I want to kill a bird for the dog, that helps. But if I'm by myself, generally I'm, I'll take a blank gun because I don't, mm-hmm. I want to focus on that dog and I want that dog not to make a mistake. Your commitment is to your dog. Yeah, exactly. And you I know, think we, you're we, absolutely right. There's, there's lots of lots of birds to be killed over that dog. Right. Let's let's, let's do it right. You're the one training it. Like yeah. your your commitment has got to be to work in your dog. Forget about shooting the gun. Let let everybody else try to shoot the bird and focus on exactly. making your dog better long term. Because yeah. I mean. We already kind of talked about, like, all summer you train for these situations. And even when you send a dog home with somebody, it's like, look, we've been training in in perfect conditions, controlled situations. When you get your dog out hunting, things aren't going to be the same. Like, birds are actually flying coming at the dog, you know, things like that. Like, that's your time to train on the job. And, you know, and, and when you get a dog, I think personally, like, there's lots of guys that have dogs, but... Most dogs never see their full potential if people aren't willing to put the time in. And it's a shame because I know, I'm sure you have too. I've seen dogs come through that I'm like, holy shit, like that dog right there is is friggin' awesome. Like it could really make a hell of a dog if they would choose to put the dog over the shotgun, you know. And I mean, and that's, I mean, obviously we wanted to have you on the podcast, but I mean, 
the most important thing for me today was just learning. <laughs> like yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years, but I've never learned from anybody. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So <laughs> like, it's good to have somebody that comes up to come up and just either confirm what you are doing or let you know, well, you should do this. So. I think, a, you know, a big thing, I think you guys are, 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 are into it. A lot of guys, you know, they, they get a bird dog and they think they can take it hunting and do a thing with right. it. But, you know, it's a year round commitment and, yeah. uh, you know, you know, if you take the time to do your do your obedience work and your, the commands that you need, and introduce the dog to the gun properly, make sure it's not be gun shy and pigeons, and you know mm-hmm. all those things that instead of just taking the dog hunting, I mean, uh, and that's kind of like why I like field trials because it gives you that motivation to to uh, you know take the dog to your highest level, and you're working with the dog mm-hmm. all the time, trying to keep the dog in shape all the time. I agree. And, yeah. uh, same same with me yeah. for sure. We, you know, there's tons of events. You know, it gives you it gives you goals, which are direction. But still, the most important thing is like those are the those goals are going to give you direction that are going to help you stay motivated yeah. to continue working on your fundamental skills. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and should, progress yeah, your and, dog. And you can't. You know, if it feels like a job to you to take your dog in the out in the off season and try to train, oh, yeah. then you know, you're you're not in there. You know, so it's the right thing. You know, I, I get a, a a big a kick going out in July and August and with a with a young dog and seeing it develop on on woodcock and grouse with a blank gun as I do mm-hmm. killing birds over the. I you know I like to hunt as much as anybody, but you know if you if you do that that training and see that progression that your dog is capable of, and then that's. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing for all of us, all four of us. I can speak for all of us that we're not in it just to go out and kill birds. No. Like I said earlier today, if we wanted to kill birds, we'd just go drive roads. And you're never going to kill more than doing that. No. Nope. We're totally in it for the dog. Yep. Like, yeah. I, I mean, could care less if I shoot one. For me, I was just happy to watch the whole thing happen. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, for me, highlight was Rowan shooting that button. Yeah, bird. me too. That whole that whole scenario was freaking wicked. Was awesome, yeah. And it's all on film. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I, yeah, it was. It, Richard, that whole thing was a point and come out of the tree, and I was like, "He's going to fly down that tree line, and I'm going to pick him off right there, and I'll just walk around and still right there." And yeah. He just went, stepped on it, and it was like, "Poof!" Right there. Yeah. Didn't have time to think about it. Pull. Right but I mean, gu- guiding too. Like when you're when you're guiding, you couldn't run your dog. Like it would be kind some somewhat monotonous. It'd be a long week. You know what I mean? It would be a long week. But <laughs> mm-hmm. for you, it's kind of a paid training session. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like I I, I, I look forward to that in the fall. Like this was my young dog's first fall. And I mean, she did a great job. She's at a senior level, you know. I got to run some some uh smaller blind retreats with her. Like it it was great. It's cool to see especially with a young dog like you guys all got we all have young dogs but you mm. guys are are into the grouse and woodcock but it's cool to see them take all the skills that you taught them in the summertime put it into use in the fall and then they start to go holy shit that's mm. what he was talking about yeah, yeah now i see why we were doing this yeah. for you know yeah it's a, it's just a lot of fun to watch a dog progress and learn and just i just love that i can't wait I've, i'll never forget this fall just watching him go from trotting through the woods as a puppy real young just like oh geez what was that and then it's like that was neat and then trying and to completely kai and losing his mind over finding a bird and chasing it and just and then the, this summer with the train and next fall will be a little bit more i'm sure we'll probably get our first pointed bird and sure you will. killed or whatever yeah. or shot at anyway 
the intensity on the on a pointing yeah. dog is just you can't replace it but, you know body language and even their eyes like mm, yeah. when, when mike griff goes on a point and it's it's not questionable like he knows there's a bird there's so eye pug right out yeah and it's then, neat to watch him work too for such a young dog like 10 or 11 months old and watch him like track and point and track and point and track and point he's and he's pointing really well for such a young dog. Like he's held like staunch points and yeah, nice. had bird shot over and steady. Yeah, he's like, been fun so far. Yeah, right? he's he's really done well for. It's nice when they have that natural ability. Yeah, oh, yeah. between nice, what nine nice. months and eleven months, he is. Yeah. yeah, he's got a nice pace too. Like he's methodical. You know, he can. He's not running them over and stuff. Like he's a great grouse dog. Really, that's probably why he's done so well. Is because he doesn't run. Yeah, fast and. You couldn't yeah, ask for a better grouse dog, really. And then, then you get the perfect shot. You take the shot. You miss. I've never Then the dog that. turns and looks I, at I, you. I don't, I don't know you what you're talking me? about. You kidding me? You miss that? What are you talking about? <laughs> In the last reference few to hunts, what? Yeah. <laughs> What's this miss thing he talks about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you redeemed yourself pretty good on that uh, on that third or whatever, third point of the day there. Yeah, I'm happy I did because yeah. I would uh, I would have had a hard time living that up. I never had a shot. Andrew didn't have a shot. And <laughs> yeah. You came through big. Yeah, well, that's good. How many shots did you fire? On that one? Mm-hmm. That was just one shot. One shot? Okay. Yeah, yeah. there was a couple shots before mine, then I took a shot. Okay, there. I yeah. wasn't sure who shot yeah. what. Yeah. I was just trying to justify a semi-auto. I thought you shot three times. No, <laughs> no, just the one. The only ammunition is hard to come by nowadays. And I know, right? Fortune, so I try to... Uh, Hold myself back a little bit there. Keep yeah. it to one shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Being conservative. Just like to shoot bullets. Yeah. No, I just enjoy watching the dogs work and getting good points. And Yeah, I had a lot of fun today. The yeah. Your pointers were awesome to watch. Well, very motivating. Good good, yeah. good good shooting today, boys. That's all I can yeah. say. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Yeah. Well, well it, it was cool. I agree with you. Yeah. Nice, nice to watch. Anybody's like all you know for me to go out with you guys that weekend and see all your dogs do their thing and just you know different ages and stuff and then see your dogs do their thing like mm. and me not be the one running them was was fun yeah yeah, yeah. it gives you something to strive for you know definitely because you think well yeah it's obviously possible to have a dog that can point a grouse and <laughs> you know on a regular basis I'm a long ways away too. yeah and on a regular basis because yeah. I mean look say you know every I don't know. Well, I mean, we might have had one wild flush, but you know, everyone was pretty much pointed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a long talk with them this morning before we left to my Adam. Girls, it's time to perform. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah no, we're good. There's, there's, there's certainly no one. expectations. Yeah. I, I was here, happy with them. They, you know, you, you get to a point when training your dogs, you have to ask yourself the question: Is this dog going to screw me, or is this dog trying to do the right thing? Right. Mm-hmm. And you figure it out after a while if the dog's trying to do the right thing. And, you know, obviously dogs are going to make mistakes and you you can't control what birds are going to yeah. do. But as long as you are convinced that that dog is not trying to screw you and is doing the right thing, then you got to be happy with your dog. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, it doesn't matter what dog it is. You're going to have birds get bumped because, yeah. I mean, yeah, just, they're not going to be working into the, into the wind. They're, every they're, they're only dogs and they're only birds. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, anything can happen with yeah. wild birds. But, I mean, we only had a cu- couple wild flushes or bumps out of how many? points like yeah we had some had some good dog work yeah today. i mean how can you like that was really good in my book <laughs> it doesn't get better no like that was a lot of pointed birds and not very many flushes like bumps or whatever yeah like, that was a solid day compared to what i've seen this fall really. well and and again for me like the progression to to seeing 
your guys' dogs that are all young dogs and like a, a how old's your oldest? Three. So yeah. just over like a derby aged dog, and then to see your dogs, which are like advanced or finished yeah. dogs, like it's it's cool to see the difference in yeah. them all. Eh? You know, and you can definitely through. see the difference between Maya and the younger bucks. Too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. She's really pretty. She's a pretty solid dog. Yeah, but it, and it takes, you know, when they get up to your dog's age, like they're so good if you've mm. done the job like if you've done the job like you have you've been committed to the process and and you've put them on a lot of birds and you've had you know you've really focused on your fundamentals and stuff like at at the point that they're at you just kind of kick them i mean you don't just kick them out of the truck and they go find 100 birds but you know you, they're, you they're put s- some, you put some confidence in your dog to yeah let, let the dog go do what it's bred to do instead of you yeah. know you know not trusting the dog i mean if mm-hmm. If you, if you have a dog, young dog, obviously if you're doing training, you, you know, you're always kind of you know, on top of that dog. But you get to a certain age where, you know, the dog is going to do it today or it's not. And, yeah. you know, most days it does it. So you, you, you put the confidence in the dog, let mm-hmm. the dog go find the bird, do what it's bred to do. Go out and find a bird and, and point them. And yeah. I think one thing you said uh, earlier in the podcast, too, about how people are definitely in a rush to get that six-month-old dog to a finished yeah. level. And, and I think that... Uh, we steal, we steal that joy from ourselves. Yeah, we don't. We are don't, you it, talking to someone at this table? We don't. We don't <laughs> I'm we, not looking at anyone or mentioning any names. Oh, I've, I've, I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about myself. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been there. I mean, definitely, you know, jammed a lot of training in the dogs, and definitely, mm-hmm. definitely got them there. But like now that I look back on it, I'm like, it's such a process. It's not that that means that. Once your dog's three years old, just just by chance, they're going to be an awesome dog. Yeah. But it's like we have to forget about saying when I when my dog's a master hunter, then I'll be happy. It's like mm. what about all the things that happen in between there? Yeah. They're like, geez, my dog knows how to run a channel blind now, or points a bird and is steady to, to wing shot. Like yep. there's all these things that I think when we're in a great big rush that we forget about and we steal mm. that joy from ourselves by just being so goal having too high expectations and our and, and we don't manage our expectations enough we're like oh yeah. this this dog's got to be a national champion by the time they're eight eight months old you i know? think i said that on another the other podcast i was on you know they asked me what and it's to recognize that you know all these dogs aren't born equal so i mean yeah. right don't expect too much of a dog that you know maybe not good at certain thing but better at another thing but right. so just manage your expectations yeah. and uh, yeah not every dog's going to be a michael jordan right no. like no. there are some one in a million dogs that are just better than the rest they're just they're just awesome so i want to read a little thing here uh it says the purpose of setting goals is to win the game the purpose of building systems or following programs for us mm-hmm. Uh, the purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. True long-term thinking is goalless thinking. Mm-hmm. It's not about any single accomplishment. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. So if if you can't attach that to dog training, I don't know what you could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because certainly after you've been around a few dogs and you look back and you go, okay, like I know I screwed that up with this dog and I know I screwed that up with this dog. I think everybody can say that at one point or another, you've rushed through it and you haven't enjoyed the process Mm -hmm. and you haven't focused enough on taking the time that that dog needs. Right. 
Yeah, definitely. You know? uh, and it's hard to not go with that kind of mentality, isn't it? I mean, it's, I'm, it's hard because how do you know? I mean, well, and, like and, for you, you're a first time pointer dog owner. And you just watch videos and you see all these dogs yeah. that are awesome. And you, you see know. all these six-month-old dogs pointing right. like crazy. And you're exactly. like, well, I'm going to be that. I want that dog that's going to be that's pointing six be months old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's going to be and, me and my dog. And you're, you're, everyone's perfectionist, right? I mean, yeah. in their own ways. And, and I mean, I know I, I'm guilty 100% of that stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. I, you know, with Jessie, for instance, I overtrained her for the first while of her life every day i was out in the shop you know for 30 40 minutes every night like 100 percent. and she was at the point where she was bored you know yeah okay. sick of training yeah just i overtrained her you know and yeah. i didn't really realize until it was at that point and i had to take a step back and say well i guess for the next you know it took, it took me the next three four months i, I had to be careful when i train because I couldn't do too much because she would just sit there and yawn and, and just kind of half-hearted. And we talked about that, didn't we? Yeah. Like, just and I just had to, make, on I had to make it fun, you know. And, yeah. and then, so we started doing more, a lot of fun bumpers as opposed to actual training, you know. Mm-hmm. And with Ember, I said, I'm not going to do that, you know. And I kind of, I mean, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't go out and train every night with her. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I just, but I mean, you know, with the birds, I mean, I hit her hard for a while. I mean, I probably put her on three, four hundred birds. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like far as pigeons go, and pigeons, stuff. And not wild. Birds. Yeah, pigeons. pigeons. Yeah, I mean, wild birds. We probably, I don't know. I, you know, I bet you I had her on probably 150 contacts yeah. on wild birds, though. You know, this, yeah. but but pigeons, I did a lot of work. Big thing about your training sessions too is what I tell a lot of people. You know. You get in the habit, you take a bunch of pigeons, you go out and you put your traps out and you turn the dog loose. And then you can think about halfway through the session, what is it I'm trying to accomplish here with this session? Yeah. Well, before you turn that dog loose, what am, what am I trying to do here? Should I have this dog on check cord? Am I trying to steady this dog up or am I still letting her chase? Or what What do you want this dog to do? Mm-hmm. When, so have a good picture in your mind, what it is you're trying to accomplish at that one training session? Yeah. And, and that usually that one training session is all you're going to need for that day. You're going to accomplish what you try to do. Instead of you know, the dog points, and a lot of guys come out training with me, and they'll turn their dog loose, and the dog went and said, what are you going to do now? Well, uh, yeah. I'll see what the dog does. Well, right. you should have talked about what you want to expect from your dog mm-hmm. before you turn that dog loose. So have, have some a good, defaults. Have, have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, how much pressure you're going to put on your dog, you know, what, what we're trying to do here in this training session. So be, mm. go in with a, with a goal instead of just turn a dog loose and you know, hoping it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's training. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, we, we talked about manager managing our expectations for our dog, but we also, you know, hold responsibility as a handler to plan our lessons and go, okay, today I'm going to do this. And if we're going out hunting or whatever today, this is what I'm going to make sure that I do with my dog. So you're switched on. Yeah, have an Be- understanding of what you're trying to accomplish before you right. go do it. Be- and I say this to people all the time. I'm like, you can go out and, and run sets of marks and marks and marks and marks and marks. But I'm like, your dog, by default, is going to go out and do that work. It's it's everything else that makes a good dog great that you need to work on. And definitely part of that is exactly like you said, being accountable as a handler. We're up. We're showing up to the training session. This is what my dog might do on this lesson. This is what I'm going to do if it happens. And you have to have defaults. If if my dog, when we flush this bird, if my dog goes to break, I'm going to make a correction on this level. That's what they need, and and away you go. But most times people are caught like yep. with their you know thumb in their mouth. They don't know what's going on. Right? Yep. <laughs> they missed an opportunity. Exactly. Or, or made a mistake. I've been guilty of it. 
uh, I mean, if you're training, you have expectations, not knowing when to take a step back. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big strength of mine now. Knowing when to step back. Yeah. If things aren't going as planned. Knowing and, and actually doing it. Right. Yeah. And they, and they, and they don't a lot of times, like when you, most times I find when people run into, run into problems, they go harder. We'll just keep going harder, even during a session. Thinking they're like, they "Oh, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll work this out." And I'm like, "And then you get a call, they go deeper hole." I, jeez, uh, I think my dog might be uh, gun shy, or jeez, I'm not sure what I did there. I'm pretty sure I made a mis- big mistake today, mm-hmm. or you know, or I've been doing this for a while, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. you probably did." And and dogs are pretty rubbery if you have a, if you have a good one you know they're they'll they'll definitely bounce back and god love them they can bounce back from your mistakes but man it's certainly if you don't know what you're doing that's try, certain try part, not to make the mistake try not to make the mistake and and number one is being prepared and then the other thing is get get stay in touch with people that know right hey yeah. here's a guy that's trained this many dogs and and won lots of field trials well th- those things don't happen by chance mm-hmm when you train pointers for how long have you trained pointers now uh professionally 10 years but i've had dogs since 1985 okay Holy so cow. so so 1985 <laughs> so that's 36 years that's you'd have to know some, your eyes would have to be closed and ears would have to be plugged not to learn a something's thing something's retained i hope something so, has been retained yeah. so for you being a train a pointer trainer like a professional trainer do you did you ever follow a system or a program or is this everything you teach is just stuff that you've picked no, up I over the years you, i think you were in, you were out of the room yourself. there that uh, kind of follow that uh, the smith method ronnie smith rick smith and uh, mm-hmm. another old book called paul long so it's uh, you know it, it's it's you know, you do your you do your your bow training and your uh, I, I use a belly band, but yeah, I get instead of getting in a lot of technicals, basically it's a it's a silent method they call it, mm-hmm. and uh, to uh, to get dogs to steady steady up through that method. And uh, other than that, is uh, you know a lot of exposure to wild game. If you have a, yeah. you want a wild bird dog, because there definitely there. seems to be a lot of different ways to. There do is, it there is, yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, there's. I think there is more ways to skin a cat. There's. Just, I just yeah. got a, into a comfort level with, uh, with uh, using using a belly band, which is simply an electric collar mm-hmm. around the flank to, to steady a dog up. And uh, yeah. start, you started with a program with a wool post and, and that sort of thing. And yeah. A lot of pigeons. I I use uh, I use homing pigeons. So you you get a lot of, you know, you, you do your you do your dirty work with the with the pigeons and uh, transfer that to the field and, and with mm. wild birds. Yeah, like for me, I for pointing, I have uh, perfect start, perfect finished. Yep. I follow is that. that. Uh, Hands or uh, John yeah. Han? John Han. Yeah, I think that's what his name is. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I've followed yep. now with Jace. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I yep. mean, but with Boog, I'll, that's yep. what I'll be the program I'll follow. And just, yeah. I mean, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, but yep. it's kind of important to pick a, a method and, and, yeah. and, and work with that. Yep. And just stick to it. And that's the same with retriever training. I got a program there that I just follow. It's pretty basic and simple. And yep. Make it work. <laughs> and and you're absolutely right. Like there's 101 ways to, to train a dog to, mm-hmm. to get to the end result. If it's, you know, teaching your dog to sit, like there's my method is not the only method and neither is yours. Nope. But but they'll both get the dog to sit its butt yep. on the ground. Or, yep. um, a, lot but of people, have, a lot of people swear by, by, you know, using the belly band. A lot of people... 
you know, you want to use a pinch collar and, and you know, neck stimulation mm-hmm. for a correction. And uh, I've just had good luck with, with using a belly band. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. It encourages them not to sit down. Is what... Well, and I mean, there's a theory behind it that, you know, the dog's not associating that stimulation with that bird that's in front of them. That's, you know, something behind yeah. them that's making them stop as yeah. opposed to something in front of them that they should be afraid of, which you don't want that. So, yeah. you, you know, if, if you introduce that belly band to them, program that I use and then uh, you know you know for the first couple of years even in the woods I'm running up with that belly band on steadying them up and that's a you know just a method I use and have yeah. a lot of guys do use it yeah. I, I use the uh, belly band a little bit there in my training and I was and I mean I, my understanding was you know through well, I was going through a standing stone kennels, I guess, what I was looking at, you know, and, and uh, also, but, but they were using it as, you know, as a woe command, you know, mm-hmm. teach the woe, and so you you'd apply light stimulus, you know. Mm-hmm. But I found you had to be careful not to even just, when I say light, I, like her, her number would be four or five on yep. my collar, you know, and uh, if I had on one, even she would react, you know, on, on the belly because it's, it's sensitive. Super, you know? yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and, and but again, if you it, if you went too high, like the three say, it would actually make her sit down. Everyone says, "Well, no, it stops from sitting down." Not for my dog. It seemed like if you were if you went a little too uh, much, she just, would whoop, she'd just, sit right I, down. I, she I just got to back you up on. for a second though. Did you, did you go through the program with the woe post? I, I did not do woe post. No, mm-hmm. I just so, I was teaching. If we didn't want to get into a training thing here, but no, if you go through the woe post, if you follow that Smith method, then you you're, you you do about a three week program where you do a half hitch around their flank, and that tightens up like a suitcase, right? And it's a woe post. You, I'd have to show it to you. Yeah, but uh, yeah. You, you tighten the dog up, and they get used to that half hitch tightening around their flank. Yeah, and you do that, you know, every day for two or three weeks till they're standing still and they feel that feel that rope tighten up around mm-hmm. their waist and then you overlay the the uh, belly band at the same time see and the program you're talking about that's the thing i don't you watch the video and it just shows the belly band it doesn't talk about a woe post or no it doesn't that no stuff. that's why I it goes right it. to it yeah, so a guy throws a collar on his dog's waist and then just yeah i mean they, and don't get you, me wrong it's a, it's a good i, I like standing stone big time yeah. and and it did, did work for what we were doing but all i'm saying is i had to be careful not to on go too much stimulus right. because she would try to set you know so you yeah. go through your woe post training with the with the check cord around their waist and you know, there's a whole program to it and you know yeah i can show you easier and tell you about it here yeah <laughs> no i kind of i did i mean i looked it up on youtube and i did i did very little of that you know just because yeah. I, I did a lot of the suitcase you know i just kind of have her yeah. heel and walking by and then yeah. i'd i'd say well when i i'd just make sure that she wouldn't sit down like you yeah. know i'd just kind of pick her up if i had to or whatever but so i did a lot of that yeah. you know so what I, mean? I guess i guess I, I i like the belly band because it gets you in a position once you get the dog conditioned to it then you can then you can correct the dog very easily mm-hmm. because they know that when they feel that they have to stop. So yeah. if they're chasing a bird through the woods and you see it, and you can stop from that belly band. So all I'm going to ask you is that when when you get to a correction stage, how are you going to correct your dog on the neck or a belly band? Now I do it on the neck. Okay. So yeah. and you've gone through a whole program with that. You're gonna. Yeah. Have, you got to watch the DVDs I gave you because that's. Yeah. What, see, so, I didn't want to get into a training thing here. So, so yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's okay, but. But see, that's that's one of the things, right? Like when you watch these programs, because like I've got lots of them at the house because there wasn't anybody. I mean, north of here, there's nobody. Yeah. And the closest person would have been Fredericton, I guess. But little things like that where you could have somebody physically say to you, hey, David, do it like this. Mm-hmm. And this is why. Because you might run into this. Like that's invaluable yep. yeah. you know so for for 
people that are listening to this, if there's somebody in your area that that's done it before, or, you know, that you could, I mean, they don't even have to be in your area that you could reach out to that could help you with simple things like that. Cause some of these videos don't show like you were saying, YouTube. Like, yeah. Like, specifically. Yeah. Like, like problems, you, you know can what get I mean? In big trouble. You know, they don't show you, Hey, they just take a trained dog and say, this is how it's supposed to go. And you do it with your untrained dog that you're training yeah. for that process. And it doesn't go that way. And then you're like, oh, shit. It's like watching. What do I do now? Go on YouTube and watch force fetch videos. They don't even show hold. It's a force fetch video. Well, if you don't do your hold work and walking hold and all that and just try to jump into force fetch, holy shit. That's pretty much how I've made my living with dogs. They come, they get collar, they do formal obedience, collar conditioning, force Mm -hmm. fetch, and then you get in early basics and then that's the end of their time you know and i i mean force fetch is one of those things i i hate doing it like force i never enjoyed doing force fetch mm. but the, I, I, to me it you know the difference between a force fetch dog and a non-force fetch dog it's 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 all the difference as far, far as i'm concerned as far as retrieving goes obviously but retrieving, yeah. you know like but even like i, I want my setter to, to force fetch you know I, I force fetch her a little bit but i always found going with that um whole conditioning i guess it's always been my first step, really. Like I'll put oh, my I put my hand in her mouth and stuff like hoping. that there. But before I do any kind of pinching or anything like that, yeah. it's all you know. You really got to have that positive reinforcement, I guess, with with the you know hold, hold good girl, you know, that kind of thing. So they, it's a positive because because force fetch. When you think about it, everything we do is all positive training, right, all along. But there's only one negative training that I've come to, and that's force fetch because you're ear pinching, right? Well, it's it's. It, so it's a different it one of one of the things about force fetch is is a lot of times people don't feel like they have to do it they're like oh my dog will pick that up it's Mm. no problem and i'm like until they won't yeah (laughs) and then you're gonna get upset with the dog and you're gonna say no no fetch but that dog's never been formally taught fetch Mm. so if you decide to make a correction after that for saying fetch if the dog refuses is that fair to the dog not, no, it hasn't been trained for it. It's not fair to the dog because you haven't formally taught that dog what fetch means. Yeah. And you haven't taught the dog what hold means. So the whole point and reason that we started that, besides it being the foundation for pressure all the way throughout your program, it's more than just force fetch. It's the foundation for pressure and how mm-hmm. to shut it off. And that's right? a big thing right, I yeah. find about yeah, collar true. condition and people don't, people don't collar condition properly. Man, They I, put the collar on and just like, come, <laughs> Yeah, and I've, I'll have tell you, I force fetch way more, or sorry, collar condition way more pet dogs because I'm like, yeah. if you have your dog off-leash without an e-collar on, it doesn't matter how well-trained your dog is, that dog, you've got no way to reinforce your commands. Mm-hmm. If that, the dog is still a dog, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how much trust you have in the dog. I mean, especially if they're a high-flying dog, they're more apt to be like, I'm just going to go check out what that porcupine is over there. And I will, I'll definitely come back, but just not right now. I'll come back when I'm done. Yeah. 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 So it's, you know, people nowadays, there's a lot more people that are doing it, but, uh, force fetch is definitely something in my area of training that I see a huge lack of, Yeah. you know, junior level dogs run 80 yards, pick up a duck, no problem. Bring it back. 10, 15 feet away spit from their owner, out. spit it out. 
start playing with it on the ground. Like, Mm -hmm. is that a problem with the dog not being able to hold the bird? No, because it ran clear out, got it, ran all the way back. That's a training issue. Yeah. You know, and it's not that it has to be a house of horrors. At times, I'm sure that it was, but it's such a critical process that people seriously overlook and then aren't sure how to do properly. And that's something really that it's one of those parts and I don't know about with what you're doing, but it's definitely one of the parts that I say to people like, look, if you're going to seek out a pro for any part of your training, that should be the one. It just shows the value in finding yourself a program, no matter what one it is and sticking to the program. Cause if you don't and, get that right, then, yeah. you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people screw that up, but yeah. it's such a critical and you should watch those DVDs I gave you right from start to finish from the beginning to the end one. Yeah. You'll find it invaluable in your training this summer. And especially when you're just starting out. Like I know when I first started training retrievers, like seriously, there was parts of the program that I was like, that's stupid. What would you do that mm. for? Yeah. And skip it. And then you get down the line and you're like, oh, I guess I didn't. That was there for. Yeah. I guess I didn't put that. <laughs> I guess I didn't put that brick in the wall. So. Now I got to go back because I've got a hole in the wall. Right? I got to put a window in it. Yeah. 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 Now I've got to tear my wall down, go back and fix that part. Right. Yeah. I mean, these guys trained hundreds, hundreds of dogs and made hundreds of field trial champions with these programs that we yeah. have right there on DVD. You know, that like every part and piece is is a part and piece on the wall. You just It's gotta... just so fun to hunt over a well-trained dog, no matter if it's a retriever, pointer anything just a dog that's been had the time put into it no matter what program it is just had the time put into it things done right to just man it's just a thing of beauty (laughs) and you just enjoy your dog that much more like like you said like you went out today you didn't you didn't have a gun like you're not going to go home and start thrashing stuff around the house when you get back going jeez i never got to shoot today (laughs) yeah you know what i mean like killed enough birds yeah Yeah. it's just not that it's just not the way it is like i get so much gear out of watching my dogs do their thing in the fall you mm-hmm. know so much fun yeah and then watching the young ones come up through and figure it out you know oh it's really it's that's the big that's what it's all about for me yeah like that's number one is watching the dog work and any type of the waterfowl or i plan hunting that's i passed up hunting trips because i couldn't take my dog because i legit would rather hunt over my dog here than somewhere else without him just that's the way it is. I got to drive to McAdam tonight, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. gonna say it's getting. It was there. a great day, and I really enjoyed your company. I'm glad to be, I'm glad to come up and see you guys. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to make it a annual trip. All right, that was a lot. It was of a fun. great talk. Certainly nice to meet you in do you, person. Do you nice have fun. any you too, you too. social media you want to plug, or your guiding, no, or no, you just want no. to keep everything quiet? <laughs> any part, any parting words of wisdom, or no, any? I just enjoy, just enjoy your dogs, guys, and uh, and uh, get out there with them. Hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Take care. Yes. Take her easy.